And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Are you ready? Yeah, it's the Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he. 400 And out come Rhino. Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he. 400 Edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. I am your host Dan Rhino. We are brought to you, of course, by our friends at ProWrestling.com. And I'm flying solo today, and it's probably going to be a shorter show than normal. I'm feeling a little under the weather. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody who, from time to time, they will just send in emails just to check in how I'm doing, as uh, we are about, I guess I'm about four and a half months post-COVID. And still haven't recovered my smell and taste. And the big thing about COVID that we're finding out is that there are long-term issues that even after you beat this virus, what you're dealing with. And I've been talking with a lot of people online in different support groups and a lot of people that I've been emailing that have been uh, emailing me and I've been exchanging emails with them about some of the things that they're going through as well because I've had several of our listeners here that have beaten this virus but are still dealing with some of the residual effects of it and as I sit here on August 7th recording this edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com of course I'm, I'm dealing with some you know some issues that I didn't deal with with my first time uh, that are symptoms of of COVID that other people have had, but I did not have it in my first go around with it, and they're I'm, they're coming on now, and I'm kind of feeling like this is a, another wave of of long term issues that is hitting me. So hopefully, uh, this is just another hurdle that I have to get over. And uh, hopefully with uh, you know, your support and the fact that I enjoy bringing the show to you each week, that kind of you know, keeps me motivated and keeps me going. I appreciate all the love. I re- appreciate all the, the emails. And I do have some COVID brain going on. I, I feel with the podcast that I do, uh, in addition to the, the podcast I do with my wife each week, I just don't, I don't feel like I'm as on as I as I normally am I don't feel like I'm as quick-witted as I normally am I don't feel like my vocabulary is as diverse as it normally is I'm having some short-term memory issues post-covid it's just been a weird battle and I know a lot of people are are going through the same thing so if you are hang in there shoot me an email let me know how you're doing I'll do the same uh, if you email me, I'll shoot you one back. But this is not a small issue. Uh, people are, t- are trying to turn this into a political thing. People are trying to say that you know wearing wearing masks is a political thing. People are trying to say that even the the severity of the virus is is a political thing. I've even heard some people say, "Oh, well, as soon as the election's over, this thing's going to go away, or this thing's going to go away the day before the election is over." 
that this is just a political ploy uh, to get our president reelected. Guys, there's nothing political about this. There's nothing political about wearing a mask. It's been proven by science that it can help minif minimize the, the exposure and the transmission of this virus. Wear your mask. Stay home unless, unless you, you know, have to get out. Wash your hands. Use your hand sanitizer. It's, it's a serious thing. So take care of yourselves and uh, hopefully we can give you a little bit of a diversion from your day-to-day -day drama with this podcast here. And like I said, it's going to be a little shorter than normal. I'm going, I've got a couple main topics I want to talk about here in, in just a one-segment show. And the first one is the current state of NXT. Now, NXT to me has always been the cool kid under the WWE umbrella. It had all your favorite indie guys, all your favorite New Japan guys. They'd go there. They'd go in front of a rabid small crowd that actually appreciated their talents. It wasn't a, a watered-down WWE arena crowd. And it was far away. NXT was far away from the influence and the clutches of Vince McMahon. You know, it was the outsider in the group. And it was the outsider, the bad boy, that refused to conform to the norms established by WWE. It was like its own little outlier in the WWE universe. So, naturally, I was very excited when it was announced that WWE, or that rather NXT, would be, number one, going live. Because live wrestling is always better than tape wrestling. It always feels like it's more important. Number two, moving to the USA Network we'd get to see the the top NXT stars every week. Because if you're going to a big network, you have to put your top stars out there every week because one of the things about the old NXT that I didn't like on the network presentation was that we might only see the champion every two to three weeks. And number three, the fact that NXT would be going head-to-head -head with AEW, which to many seemed like a petty move on WWE's part just to mess with AEW, but I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it as competition being good because competition forces both shows, not just NXT, but AEW as well, to bring out their best stories, their best matches, their best feuds, and their best talent every week. You could not afford to have an off week when you have direct competition that is the exact same sport and the exact same presentation on another major cable network. But lately, guys, it just, it feels like I've had, and maybe I'm a bad wrestling fan, but it feels like I've had zero enthusiasm about watching NXT. You know, I always watch AEW live, and I would usually catch NXT on the DVR right after AEW. I mean, it would be right after AEW would go off the air. I would give NXT a few minutes to kind of wrap up because they usually had an overrun and I didn't want to get anything spoiled when I was switching over to the DVR version. But then I would watch NXT. But then it became where I was watching NXT the next day. Oh, I'm, I'm probably just going to turn in early. Well, I'll catch NXT tomorrow. Then it got to the point where I was watching it two days later. Then I was fast forwarding just to certain parts that I found mildly interesting. So what's changed? I feel like I feel like this is, we have a distinct difference between the NXT that we used to have and the NXT that we have here in August of 2020. And to me it seems like NXT has gone from being Triple H's pet project to just another WWE weekly entity. And it's virtually indistinguishable from Raw or SmackDown. And I know the pandemic has something to do with that. 
you know, having all three shows in these sterile environments with plexiglass and fake fans, it's tough. But it just seems like the, the bad boy, it seems like the outsider image of NXT is gone. And it's just the vanilla production that WWE is putting on each week. And to their credit, they're trying to get you invested in the characters by having them do vignettes. Like the Keith Lee, Mia Yim versus Gargano and Candice dinner parties. And Robert Stone getting run over by tanks. And Roderick Strong getting locked in trunks and being terrified of, of Dexter Loomis. They're trying. But it's just not good. It's what you'd see on Raw or SmackDown. It's these vignettes and pre-tapes. They're, they're, they're nothing. They're not funny. They're not serious. They're not entertaining. They're not compelling. you got to be one of those. They're none of those things. So these vignettes and these things and these pre-tapes that they try to do, they just come off as bland. They come off as vanilla, and they accomplish nothing. And if WWE doesn't care about investing in making characters compelling or in investing in creating compelling angles or compelling drama for guys like Dominic Dijakovic, if they're not interested in doing it for people like Cameron Grimes and Damian Priest, all they're doing with these guys is throwing them in a ring on a weekly basis and saying, go have a great match. If that's all they care about, why should I, as the consumer, care about them as a character? There's tons of great wrestlers in the world. There's hundreds of great in-ring tech technicians right now that are at home not getting a paycheck because they're not signed by a major company. It's not enough to just be a great wrestler. You have to have compelling stories. You have to have compelling characters. You have to have stakes. You have to have reasons for us to care about these characters. You can't just throw them in and just show, oh, they, they, bumped, they uh, bumped into each other backstage and their suitcases hit each other or they hit their coffee out of their hand and that's why they're going to have a match tonight. And then they go out and they wrestle a, a seven-minute match and somebody comes out ahead and then the other person just kind of goes on to knock somebody else's coffee out of their hands the next week. If WWE is not interested in making these characters compelling, why should I care about them? And Keith Lee as champ, I like it because it does shake things up. And maybe that's what the program needed. And Adam Cole did everything right as NXT champ. He did nothing wrong wrong as NXT champ. He was an amazing NXT champ and an amazing flag bearer for uh, the yellow and black brand. And the Karrion Cross feud with Keith Lee does seem to be bringing a different side out of Keith Lee. But right now, he's another one of those guys who is excellent in the ring. Excellent. Top tier in-ring technician Keith Lee can do some insanely athletic things in the ring that a guy his size should not be able to do but for me they have not given me a good reason to be invested in him as a character the stuff that he tried to do with Mia Yim with the dinner parties and stuff like that and the and the turning the lights off and holding the flashlight under your your head and cutting creepy promos that's dumb that did nothing for Keith Lee so maybe the fire that Keith Lee is showing and the carrying cross feud will bring something new out of him and be a good thing in the short term and the long term for NXT. But this new direction for NXT, this new vision 
of basically merging the identity of NXT with Raw and SmackDown, it's obvious. It's obvious to me, and it's even obvious to some of the premier talent that they that have helped build NXT. Because Tommaso Ciampa, you got him going on social media saying that he's 100% healthy, but he gets the impression that he's getting the dreaded, quote, creative has nothing for you. And how can you not have something for Tommaso Ciampa? How is that possible? With as many writers and as many uh, creative staff that you have, how can you not have something compelling or interesting or exciting or, or stimulating for Tommaso Ciampa to do? You know, Finn Balor, when Finn Balor came to NXT from the main roster, Finn Balor is supposed to make this triumphant return to NXT. And we're going to get the old Finn Balor. We're going to get the badass Finn Balor of several years ago. And he's done very little in his return. What has Finn Balor done? He had a feud with uh, Damian Priest, I believe. He had a feud with Cameron Grimes, I believe. He had like a one-off with Johnny Gargano. What has Finn Balor done? He's just spinning his wheels in NXT. You tell me they they can't come up with something for Finn Balor? So, I don't know if I'm being crazy here. I don't know if any of you out there are with me on this or if you just think I'm totally nuts. That's the COVID brain kicking in. And I feel really uncomfortable in saying that NXT is becoming what Raw and SmackDown are to me, but it is. And, here, and here's what I mean by that. If I watch Raw or SmackDown, beginning to end, don't miss a segment, I often feel like I get through and I feel like I've wasted a lot of my time. If I skip through Raw or SmackDown, I feel more efficient. I feel like I've done a better job. And I feel like my experience with Raw or SmackDown has been more worthy of my time. And if I miss it all together... If I miss Raw or SmackDown just all together, I don't lose any sleep over it. And that's what NXT is becoming to me each week. It's becoming, if I watch it from beginning to end, I kind of feel, not that it was a total waste of my time, because there are entertaining aspects to it, but I feel like if I watch it every segment from beginning to end, there's so much filler and there's so much fluff in there and there's so much, so many matches just thrown together for no reason that don't really up the profile of any of these winners in these matches. There's no stakes. There's no reason for them to be out there other than to, hey, remember, we still got Dexter Loomis on the roster. Remember, he's still creepy. Put him out there and he'll win a match and he'll you know sleek around the ring and play his creepy music. Jay, just remember, we still got him. That's really the only reason that, that these matches are taking place. So I feel like if I skip through NXT, I can hit the highlights and I feel, you know, I feel more whole, <laughs> if that makes sense, at the end of, of an NXT episode. But you know what? If I miss NXT, I don't feel a... A strong desire. I don't feel that there is this sense of urgency for me to go back and, and watch it on the DVR. I just, I just wait till next week because I know WWE is going to spend, you know, 45 minutes of every show showing me recaps from last week and even showing me recaps from what happened this week. 
So I could skip ahead and, and take a 10-minute segment and boil it down to a 45-second recap, and I'm all caught up. So I'd love to hear your emails. Send me an email, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com, or tweet me at rhino underscore wrestling, or tweet me directly at danrhino on Twitter. And let me know what you guys think. Let me know if you agree or disagree or if you fall somewhere in the middle. But that's kind of my thoughts on the current state of NXT. Last thing I want to talk about is AEW. And AEW, if you've noticed the last few weeks, they are bringing in more and more and more former WWE talent. We saw Zack Ryder debut on last week's Dynamite, saving Cody from an attack. And then Zack Ryder had his first official match uh, teaming up with Cody against a couple of the Dark Order num- numeral wrestlers this week. Vicky Guerrero is now an on-screen is now in an on-screen role, and she's had a, a couple appearances uh, previously with AEW, but it looks like she's officially signed. She is all elite. She is the manager of Nyla Rose. AEW's brought in Ariane and Tainara Conti uh, for, for the uh, women's tag tournament. And all these things have happened within the last couple of weeks. Now, I know that Ariane and, and Conti may not be officially signed. It looks like they may be kind of uh, leaning more toward uh, Tainara. I think uh, Ariane said that she is uh, still a free agent. Uh, Tainara is uh, the uh, judoka from NXT who I always thought had a really good look, had uh, obviously crazy athletic ability because of, of the uh, high-level judo skills that she had, and I never felt like she really got the same opportunity that some of the other ladies got. And she was a victim of the COVID releases over the last few months. So I think she could be somebody who could kind of, that never really blossomed in NXT, that maybe could have a chance with a middling women's division like AEW has. But my point is, all these former WWE people have brought in, been brought in within the last couple of weeks, in addition to the big signing of FTR, uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. But look at their roster. In AEW, both of your big uh, men's single belts are former WWE stars. John Moxley with the world belt and Cody Rhodes with the TNT belt. Moxley wins the title at Revolution from Jericho. So the main event of one of your big pay-per-views was Moxley against Jericho. And Jericho is the biggest of former WWE guys that they have. So your first champion is a former WWE guy in Jericho. Your second champion is a former WWE guy in John Moxley. Uh, he they main event that pay per view. That same pay per view, by the way, opens with Dustin Rhodes against Jake Hager. Two other former WWE guys. So it opens with Dustin versus Jake Hager. It closes with Moxley and Jericho. You bookend that pay per view with all WWE former talent. Moxley, the WWE guy, beats Jericho, the WWE guy, for the title. Moxley goes on to defend it in a feud with Jake Hager, former WWE guy. Then defends it in a feud against Brody Lee, former WWE guy. That's a lot of former high-profile WWE talent that you're utilizing as your base talent in your company. And I understand what people, some people are going to say. They're going to say, well, you have to use them just to build upon, and then you can build your new stars. But is that really what they're doing right now? 
they're putting the belts on former WWE guys and they keep throwing WWE guys out there in the main event because they are they worried that if they don't put somebody out there that has WWE levels of exposure that the ratings are going to drop or that pay-per-view buys are going to drop or that general interest from the casual fan is going to drop. But let's just look at the AEW roster now. Now, not counting the guys that have had a cup of coffee in the WWE. So I'm not counting like the Colt Cabanas who were who had a cup of coffee in the WWE. I'm not counting people like that. I'm talking about those that made their names in WWE and were signed by AEW specifically based on their WWE performance, their WWE exposure. We've got Billy Gunn, Brody Lee, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler, who are a focal point in your tag team division right now, getting extra vignettes and everything, wrestling every week. Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rose, Jake Hager, John Moxley, Matt Cardona, for the former Zack Ryder, Matt Hardy, Pac, the former Neville, and Sean Spears. And if you want to go deeper, you want to look at announcers and managers, Jake Roberts, Taz, Vicky Guerrero, Jim Ross, Justin Roberts. Here's my issue. I'm a little concerned because to me, it's a little concerning from this aspect. I'm loving AEW. I'm loving AEW as an alternative to the WWE products. But I'm loving AEW the same way that I loved Nitro era WCW as an alternative to the WWF products at the time. AEW is taking established name talent from WWE, like Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Cody, and presenting them as big stars on their competing program, much like WCW did with Hogan Savage, Bret Hart, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Kurt Henning, so many more. And outside of a few hokey angles, AEW is mostly giving us more grounded, realistic confrontations, which is exactly what WCW did. Once they, once WCW got past the whole Hogan's going to fight everybody in the Dungeon of Doom for a couple of years, once they got past that and once Nitro became a thing... They got more grounded, more realistic. They brought in Razor Ramon and Diesel and presented them as Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. At a time when WWF was, you know, putting out Doink the Clown and, you know, similar gimmicks like that, that were starting to lose the audience. And the audience was starting to grow up and the audience was starting to want something that f made it feel less silly. Because we don't, wrestling's okay, it's okay for wrestling to be fun, it's okay for wrestling to be funny, it's okay for wrestling to be silly, from time to time. That cannot be your entire basis. Your entire basis for your pro wrestling company here in 2020 cannot just be all silliness. Unless you want to run a little, you know, side hustle company, if, if you want to... If you want to make that, you know, the basis of your company and you want to have a little niche audience, that's fine. But if you want to be on a major cable network and be a major player in the world of pro wrestling, you have to give a little bit of something for everybody. You have to have that buffet of sorts where everybody can get that taste that they want. And 
WCW did that at a time when people were wanting more realistic, more grounded in reality type characters, angles, storylines, and feuds. And that's why the NWO, to this day, you still see tons of NWO signs in the, in the crowd. Well, not pandemic crowds, but when the crowds come back, it is still the most successful faction of all time because, and it wasn't even around that long when you think about it. It was only around a few years. It wasn't around nearly as long as the Four Horsemen were. It wasn't around nearly as long as Degeneration X was, and I guess still could be. Because we just saw we saw Triple H and HBK within the last two years doing the DX angle over in uh, Saudi Arabia. But AEW is doing what WCW did right with the grounded, realistic confrontations. And WWE is starting to kind of revert back to what they did back in the WWF years of the of the mid 90s when they were focusing on comedy like the stuff they're doing with the the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits and the Ninjas and the 24/7 belt and the supernatural aspects like the stuff they're doing with the Fiend and and Braun Strowman right now so I I love what AEW is doing as they're presenting a an alternative to the WWE products however you can't ignore the similarities between AEW and an eventually failing company like WCW. We can't ignore the fact that not only is AEW on TNT, as WCW was with, with the insanely successful Nitro, but none other than Eric Bischoff himself was on Dynamite this week. Eric Bischoff, the, the man who created Nitro, was on, was on Dynamite this week. And another thing that AEW is doing that's very similar is just like what WCW did with the Cruiserweights. AEW is using the big name former WWE talent to draw in viewers. Oh, and while you're here, while you're here, you know, looking for Jericho and Cody and Brody Lee and Jake Hager and guys like that, you know, WCW would draw them in with Hogan and Savage. And while you're here, check out Rey Mysterio, check out Chris Benoit, check out Juventud Guerrera, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, La Parca, Psychosis, even Chris Jericho at the time. AEW's drawing you in with the big names, and they're exposing you to guys like MJF, Orange Cassidy, The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. I know Kenny. I know some of those that I'm going to mention that and that I have mentioned are not exactly like on the super young side, but they haven't had that that WWE exposure. They haven't had that that mainstream US exposure. Best friends, the Lucha Bros, and then uh, even like on the female side, Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, uh, and then you think about uh, a faction like the Jurassic Express, you know, especially with uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, who both seem like they could both be big stars in the future. And this all sounds great. This all sounds fantastic. It's kind of like what Bellator was doing. You know, drawing you in with the freak show fights like Hoist Gracie against Ken Shamrock. Oh, and while you're here, check out Michael Chandler. You know, while you're here, check out the Pitbull Brothers. That all sounds great. Especially when we consider that the highest of highs that WCW experienced in, in the late 1990s were tremendous. They used that formula of mixing... The established former WWE stars and then exposing the audience to a new slew of young and up-and-coming talent. 
the the premise and the formula and the game plan sounds fantastic but we can't ignore the horrible the the horribly the horrible way that things ended for WCW we can cannot ignore it you can't ignore how high they got and you cannot ignore how far they fell this was a company in WCW that generated 200 million dollars in revenue and six hundred and sixty million dollars in profit. Two hundred million in revenue and sixty million in profit in nineteen ninety-eight in one year. Sixty million dollars in profit. And just a few years later, they would sell for two million dollars to Vince McMahon, who mainly just bought it for the, the library. WCW stars got old. It stars got too much backstage influence and creative control, brother. And while that was happening, WWE took chances with new stars, with more adult-themed television and riskier angles and content. And when you talk about your top stars getting too much backstage influence, look at how the company was, look at how AEW was built. AEW was built, and you immediately put some of your top stars in executive vice president roles. How is that not a recipe for disaster? And I know the bit the, the argument is, oh well, you know, it's it's run by the boys. The boys know what, what what's best for everybody. We're not gonna have a big company, you know, controlling us and telling us what to do. We're certainly not gonna have a you know, seventy year seventy four year old out of touch man uh, whose best years are behind him telling us what to do. We know we you know, we have a very successful YouTube show. We know exactly what to do to get the audience. How are you not setting yourself up exactly the same way WCW did? How are you not setting yourself up to have wrestlers and on-screen talent in highly influential positions of power? Because WCW did the same thing. And you got, oh, Kevin Nash, he's got creative control. Oh, Hulk Hogan, he's got creative control. Oh, Ric Flair, uh, you know, I don't think Ric Flair had creative control because they buried him in a desert. But so many of, of the, the high-level talent, in order to get them to come to, to WCW and stay with WCW, not only did they pay them high-level money, but they gave them creative control. And in some cases, even like uh, Hall & Nash, they had a favored nations clause where if we brought in anybody that was making more money than them, then they would automatically get their contracts bumped up. But WCW stars got too old. They got too much backstage influence and creative control. And WCW refused to push guys like Jericho as a main event talent. Jericho had had this plan laid out beautifully for this feud with Goldberg. And Goldberg didn't want to do it. So if Goldberg doesn't want to do it and he's got creative control, then naturally the uh, creative team isn't going to want to do it. So Jericho jump ship to WWE for less money he got he was making less money in WWF at the time than he was with the uh, renewal contract that was offered to him in WCW but the same thing happened with Eddie Guerrero who they were they who he got pigeonholed into that oh you're a cruiserweight you can't be a top star Benoit got pigeonholed and they refused to push guys like Jericho, Guerrero, and Benoit's top stars until it was too late. And these wrestlers were so over the WCW drama that they just wanted to get out. They wanted to go to WWF, even if it was for initially. I know 
they would all make big money down the line with WWF. But initially, it was for less money and more opportunity. And they even tried to appease Benoit. Because I know some of you are going to say, well, Benoit was world heavyweight champion. That was after Benoit had already said, I'm leaving. You guys are never going to you know, believe in me as a, as a big name talent. And they said, oh, well, well, don't leave. We'll put the world title on you. I think Benoit beat Sid Vicious for the world title. And he still walked away. He left WCW as champion. Never dropped that belt. He said, I told you guys I was leaving. And then all of a sudden you think I'm such a big mark for myself that if you put the title on me that I'm going to stay. That's not the way it works. I'm worried that something like that may happen with AEW as I get back to my original point of them bringing in all this former WWE talent. And another thing that's concerning is AEW re-upping with TNT looks like a great sign. It looks like the TNT is excited about the way uh, the show is going. They're excited about the future of the show. They've signed on for three, you know, I think it was three more years, which is great for the long-term growth of AEW. It means they're going to be around for a little while. But with this re-upping with TNT comes talk of putting on another weekly show. And you want to do dark? You want to do that on YouTube? That's fine. You want to, you know, have some jobber matches on there. You want to keep guys and gals fresh on there. You want to even use, like, what they're doing with Scorpio Sky and build a little angle with Dark and carry it over to where he's going to be getting a TNT title match against Cody next week. All for it. Because you do not have to watch Dark in order to to follow what's going on on Dynamite every week. It's just like a, a nice little uh, side salad that you can have with the meal. You don't need to eat it. You're really here for, you know, the, the steak and potatoes. But, you know, if you're going to offer me the side salad, I might take a few bites out of it. But the thoughts of AEW putting on another hour or two hour show on TNT each week, it just reeks of WCW, of the WCW Thunder debacle. It just reeks of thunder. Which is another thing. The Thunder thing was a big thing that hurt WCW in the long run. And having said all this, I know a lot of people are going to think, well, you're crapping on AEW. That is totally not the case here. AEW is by far my favorite wrestling show on TV every week. And it's not even close. And I think they've done a tremendous job of not just keeping their heads above water during this pandemic. Which could, this, this pandemic could have killed this burgeoning company. A company that just started, I think, I guess, with uh, Double or Nothing last year. But you could even argue that they didn't really start as a company until Dynamite premiered, which I guess was in October. But this pandemic and not being able to have live crowds and not being able to tour and having ratings decline because, you know, people are, are not really wanting to watch wrestling without a crowd, that could have killed this company. But the fact that they've not only kept their heads above, a wa- above water during the pandemic, but are actually clawing the rating back up to close to pre-pandemic standards is a feather in their cap, I think. I just don't want them heading down the WCW road, which we know leads to ruin, when they can use the past as a game plan of what not to do in the future. I just don't want them going down that WCW road And I want them to be successful for years to come because I think it's good for the business. I think it's good for the boys and the girls. And I think it's good for us as fans. And that's going to do it for me this week on a shortened edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. Easily consumable 
edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review, uh, brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. Do want to give a shout out to uh, my buddies Dougie Wrestling, Fox and Ryan, and Mr. Main Event over at the STF Underground Podcast. Uh, they're putting out great content. Uh, drops every Friday right alongside ours on ProWrestling.com. We don't come out every Friday. We come out whenever just the hell I can get in front of a microphone and have something to say. But you can count on Dougie Wrestling and the boys being there every Friday on ProWrestling.com and your favorite podcast platform. So give them a listen as well. A uh, shout out to everybody who has been downloading, listening, and subscribing. We really appreciate you. You have no idea how much I appreciate the love and support that you guys have uh, emailed into me and and uh, direct message me on on Twitter. It really, you know, as with you know things that I've I have gone through and the things that I'm still currently going through. I know this is not going to be something that we just get over and then we go back to our normal lives. This is going to be a process. Uh, folks, and I think that if we if we stick together and we we stay safe and we stay supportive of each other and we come we become more united instead of divided, then you know we have a good chance of not only recovering uh, from this pandemic but thriving post pandemic. So uh, stay home unless you have to get out. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. Be safe, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. Until then, I'm Dan Rhino. Thanks to ProWrestling.com. Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, subscribing. Don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya. Hey, it's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker because I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth, like I'm cooking up a O.